Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Do you keep hot sauce in a travel bag or your purse? How about that little compartment in your car? Do you know where your hot sauce is, but not your house keys? It's okay. There's no judgment here. We get it. For people who enjoy hot sauce, sometimes it's the only thing you can think about when it's time to eat. Nashvillians have been enjoying hot chicken for generations, and now there are dozens of local hot sauce recipes to enjoy. Is hot sauce the next Nashville thing? Maybe. Either, the, either way, later this hour, we're going to test out some of what local makers have to offer. But first, the state's low-income health care insurance program, TenCare, is preparing to resume income and address el- eligibility checks for the first time since the pandemic. Now, TenCare itself handles the process of making sure people still qualify, but the agency also funds an outside unit dedicated to rooting out potential fraud. And it's been much more aggressive than other states. But WPLN's senior reporter, Blake Farmer, has found out that even after millions of dollars spent each year, the agency has little to show for it other than slapping Tennesseans with a bunch of felonies. Now, he joins us now. Hey, Blake, how are you? I'm all right. We're not going to talk hot sauce. You can come back and try some. I'm not an expert. Okay, well. Yeah, I'm not either, but uh, you're down. I'll, I'll save some for you after the show. How about that? <laughs> All right. Okay, so you interviewed a woman named Lashana Ingram yeah. who got caught up in 10 Care's aggressive enforcement tactics. Tell us, what is she accused of? Yeah, and I, I actually, for the last, I don't know, six months or so, have been sort of keeping track, t- keeping in touch with several folks who have been uh, charged, arrested for um, 10 Care fraud. Um, so, this has become pretty common, especially where Lashana lives in Shelby County. So this is Memphis. Um, and if you've ever spent much time in Memphis, you know that the southern suburbs are in Mississippi. In fact, there's some parts of what you might call Memphis. There's West Memphis, which is in Arkansas. So she's actually from the Mississippi side. Horn Lake is um, is where. And um, she was accused of being on TenCare while being a resident of Mississippi. Hmm. And Medicaid programs, um, you know, even though, like here in Tennessee, it's two-thirds funded by the federal government, but they are state-based. So you have to be a resident of the state where you're on the Medicaid program, which is TennCare here. Um, Now, in Ingram's case, she actually was living in Tennessee and ended up showing prosecutors documentation to prove it. Um, she and her husband had gotten divorced. And so um, they they did that in Mississippi, and um, she used that address while they were getting divorced. She figures that maybe that's what flagged the, the system somehow. But um, they had been separated for years, she told me, and uh, she was in Tennessee when she had Medicaid and, and was able to get out of the charges. But it was it's been a saga. Now, Tennessee's inspector general's office didn't just flag her for potential fraud, but you reported they also put her on, quote, a most wanted list. I mean, that that sounds so intense. Oh, we, yeah. I, I mean, there, there's this most wanted list. Many people may have seen that that TenCare has put out for, uh, you know, more than 15 years. And um, in talking to the office of inspector general, um, these are basically people they are trying to arrest for 10 care fraud, but have not been able to find them in at least 90 days. So um, 
essentially publicize them um, with this most wanted list. And sometimes they're accused of some fairly serious crimes, like um, maybe using 10 care benefits to get um, lots of high powered narcotics and, and selling them on the street. But, you know, in more recent years, the reason I was looking into this story in the first place is was I noticed there's a lot more folks who were like Lashana Ingram, who seem to be a- at worst accused of moving out of state without telling 10 care. I mean, well, how is this list used? Well, the 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 list is is uh, it's posted on the internet, mm. and and uh, alerts are are sent out uh, to the media like us, and we, and we see that there are folks on the most wanted list. But um, the the problem is anyone can see this uh, list, and so you know it's it's it potentially damaging to these folks uh, who who end up on the list, but but maybe have have. A way to explain themselves and uh, get out of these charges. I mean, is this what the inspector general's office was created for, to go after what are essentially clerical errors? Well, you know, I, I was looking back uh, into the early days of when this um, of when this office was created. And at the time, the big issue was drug diversion. In other words, people using their 10 care benefits, going around, hitting a bunch of emergency departments, getting a bunch of Percocet, hydrocodone, Oxycontin, and, and selling them. I mean, essentially drug dealers. Those were the cases they were going after. Mm. Very few of them were these residency cases, or uh, some of them also or like, do you have uh, those children in custody that you reported to the state, uh, which would make you eligible for 10 care? Okay, so how much is it costing taxpayers to fund this office? Well, the budget for this office um, is about uh, $6 million, $6.4 million, though uh, a state spokesperson did note to me that the office in many years doesn't spend all that it is budgeted for. But but $6 million, that's the budget. How much do they typically recoup from these investigations? Well, I tell you, they're they're not really bragging about that in, in these press releases that they send out. They um, they often will talk about like an all-time figure that, that since the office was created in 2005, they've recouped, uh, you know, $9 million or so. Um, They also make the claim that they've saved the state millions of dollars, perhaps, uh, in, you know, these people no longer being on 10 care. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to arrest folks and charge them with a felony in order to do that. You could you could just cut off their benefits. What did the inspector general's office have to say about all this? Well, um, the uh, the inspector general of the office of inspector general is, is a guy named Chad Holman. Um, and, you know, I kind of put him on the spot about it, especially this most wanted list, which you really do not find in other states. Here he is. You're trying to locate them to hold them accountable for the crime that they have been alleged. I won't even say that they did. I'll say that they ale- have been alleged to have committed. That's why we have that, to get the information out there. It's not to blast anyone or defame anyone. It's to simply take care of the business that's at hand, hold people accountable, and do what we're, we're here to do. That's what we do it for. But, but most states don't do that. Well, I'm not most states. I'm Tennessee. I'm doing my job. That, that's, that's all I have to worry about. Wow. Um, it's really putting people on front street, as the kids say.
yeah, you know, uh, it, the, the thing is, the question I'm asking there is, are do you really need to be going after these folks? And, and, and maybe it's a tough one to answer. Now, do you expect lawmakers to take a closer look at how much it's costing the state to fund this office? You know, I do think there is an argument for, for taking another look, because as we discussed, when this office began, they were so focused on drug diversion, which was a really big issue, and especially uh, at, at that time. Um, you know, Chad Holman there says it is still important uh, to have this office in his view because it does act as a deterrent. You know, that people who are getting on 10 care, listen, understand that that uh, getting these benefits um, by, you know, fudging on your forms is illegal. In fact, it is a felony. But it's certainly um, not bringing the kind of money back into the state that that lawmakers probably believed. I actually ran across a, a letter that the OIG sent to state lawmakers updating, um, it was a report updating their cash for tips program. Um, they they will pay, you know, two or $300 for tips that lead to a conviction. Hmm. Um, and th- they said that not only were there no payments made in that year, it was 2021 they were talking about, they had only paid out $300 since they even started in 2005, which I think is pretty. It was pretty surprising to me that that uh, so few of these tips even result in convictions. So you know, it certainly seems ripe for a discussion, especially at this moment when TenCare is about to go back and review income and addresses for all 1.7 million people who are on its rolls right now. Mm. So how's Lashana doing now? You know, she's okay. Uh, She was certainly nervous about talking about her situation. I mean, how could you blame her? Uh, You know, she says it's embarrassing. She she's had these charges dropped. But, you know, there's still a press release out there floating around with her her mugshot calling her, you know, most wanted and that she'd you know been eluding authorities um, f- for 10 care fraud, which sounds like it could be a big thing until you, you look a little closer and hear her out. Um, you know, and I don't know, it do- doesn't even appear that the state takes down those uh, press releases and materials depending on the outcome of these cases. That's WPLN's senior healthcare reporter, Blake Farmer. Blake, as always, thanks for being here, and thank you for your reporting. You're welcome. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll turn to a growing trend among foodies in our town. Hot sauce. What's your favorite Nashville hot sauce? And do you keep hot sauce in your purse or briefcase? Be honest. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Hot sauce can be a more divisive topic than you might think. About seven years ago, I saw two men almost come to blows over which sauce was better, Tapatio or Cholula. I'm serious, I saw it all go down. And let's not even get into the Louisiana hot sauce or Tabasco argument. That's for another day. Today is all about the growing trend of local hot sauces and how a city known for hot chicken is developing a scene for its own sauces. My next guests are here to give us the lay of the land. Clay Maddox is the owner of Nashville Hot Sauces. He's joined by Chris Cheng, co-owner of Hot Sauce Nashville, and Jeremy Lister, owner of Blister Hot Sauce. Thanks to you all for being here. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is really great. So, you know, I'm really curious about how you all got your start in the hot sauce game. Let's, Clay, let's start with you. How did you get started in it? <clears throat> uh, I was in the restaurant business for years. I uh, had a restaurant in Franklin called Swanky's Taco Shop. And one of the kitchen guys that I had there had developed his own line of hot sauces. Uh, he had never really processed them or anything, but he always kept trying to use them in the restaurant. And uh, after I got left there, it had been a few years. I was eating at a local Nashville establishment before a high school football game one night, back when my son was uh, still in high school. And the uh, place was kind of promoting how it had farm-to-table food, local fresh-baked uh, bread. Uh, it's kind of focused on local crafted beers, local distilled spirits. Uh, and then when you sat down at the table with all of that local stuff in front of you, they had a bottle of Louisiana hot sauce on the table. Mm. And it just kind of rung a bell and made me think of all the things, the the kind of one of the strongest flavors. And the last thing you see is not local um, hot chicken. Nashville hot chicken was kind of uh, I'm not going to say in its infancy because it's been around for a long time. But the craze as far as getting the the term outside of Nashville was still kind of in its infancy. And uh had stayed in touch with my friend from the restaurant, kind of called him and said, Hey, uh, let, let's talk about your hot sauces again. Uh, we went from 12 recipes that he had and narrowed that down to about six or seven from those. We cut it down to four, um, kind of combined that with the idea that being in Nashville, Nashville being a growing city, um, a being a, having lived in Nashville since 2001, definitely a local citizen wanted to welcome uh, growth and and kind of ride some of the train that was already built on the growth of Nashville. Uh, also being uh, partially involved with a side business in the music industry and it always being um, you know a big hobby as it is for many of us. Um, I kind of tied all of that together to the brand with Nashville Heat <clears throat> using the guitar pick and the tagline, put some twang on that thing. Nice. And then went out with the focus of trying to get into uh, local owned shops, uh, local owned gift stores, places that kind of focused on the Nashville brand or local products um, and local restaurants as well. Uh, and that's kind of where my focus has been ever since. It uh, some places comes and goes based on a variety of factors but I've had about 10 or 12 uh, solid anchor places that have kind of helped push my business into uh, third party things, as well as uh, just keeping me out on the fronts of their shelves and uh, using me with samples and things of that nature. So well, well, tell I don't me. know if I went a little too far, but uh, that was kind of how I got into it and where it's gotten me at this point. Well, tell me what is, uh, you don't have to give us any trade secrets at all, but what's your recipe? Um, it's got a lot of love. We play music to the peppers all day, every day. Nice. Uh, I mean, no, there's, uh, there's only so many ways to make hot sauce. Uh, you know, you're using, we're, we're all probably using some of the same base ingredients when it comes down to pepper and vinegar and a few other things to kind of make it into a sauce. Uh, my kind of the goal that I went at it with when we started the recipes was to not taste like something that was already out there. Uh, you're obviously competing hot sauce is hot sauce, but we didn't want to just duplicate something else and say, yeah, this tastes just like that. Or this tastes just like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now Joe, so we, we, we wanted some uniqueness. And the other thing was we, despite the fact that it's one of the major ingredients, we wanted to try to lower the impact of the vinegar flavor. Okay. So there were a few that we had made that the vinegar just really jumped out. And I, I immediately just, I mean, there were some good things about them, but it just wasn't, 
something I wanted to, to put in our corner. So I don't know that we succeeded at that. Again, it's impossible to make it without doing that, but um, we wanted to hit that intent. All right. Well, Jeremy, how about you? You, you've always been a lover of spicy foods, right? Very much so. So Blister is owned by me and both of my brothers and we grew up uh, in Mississippi, like 45 minutes from Louisiana and loving all things salty, all things hot. Uh, we were big fans of the movie Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the opening scene has them doing shots back and forth. And uh, me and my brothers would reenact that with pickle juice and hot sauce when oh. we were kids. <laughs> okay. So uh, we were we were big fans of like challenging each other uh, to eat spicier, saltier, tangy things. And uh, as we got older and became adults, we became foodies and loved experimenting with things. Um, and I'm also in the, in the music world, and uh, I, I used to have a branded hot sauce that a friend of mine from Mississippi made. It was called Lister Blister Hot Sauce in nice. the 2000s. And um, uh, and then my older brother really got into gardening and smoking foods. And uh, and I guess around 2018, he I went over to his house. He's like, try this hot sauce. And, so, uh, and he'd made a smoked hot sauce out of um, jalapenos and poblanos. And, uh, and I tried it, and I was just like, this is amazing. I've never had anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started letting our friends try it. And then it kind of became like sort of a, you know, out the out the side door business. And then everyone was like, you need to make this legit. So <laughs> we uh, sent Reggie to school and um, uh, and then started selling hot sauce in 2019. And now it's been fun to watch it grow. Did you all know what you were doing when you first started? No, no. It's, uh, it's been so much trial and error, especially on the business side of things, but um, it's been a lot of fun. Now, Chris, you were born and raised here, and I understand that you got your decision to develop your own hot sauce. It was inspired by your travels. Is that right? It was. It was. Um, my wife and I, we were born and raised here. We're, it's the two of us who make all the hot sauce together. And we had, we have not in the food world at all and no experience. I was a an army ranger officer before this. And then my wife was a nurse. She started her first nursing job. She was a NICU nurse here at Vanderbilt. Um, but then when I was deployed, uh, around the station, around the country and around the world, whenever we were at home, we would go to the local farmer's market. So for example, I was stationed at, I think Fort Carson, Colorado, outside Colorado Springs, and then down in Fort Benning, Georgia, and then up in school in Massachusetts and making new friends and seeing new places. I found, we found like the best place for us to meet people and get a, like a literal and figurative taste of the city was going to the farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. And so we just fell in love with that kind of local food community. The people are always so welcoming and warm and you can really just drop the barriers and have, especially today, just have a a chance to have a one-to-one interaction with someone and learn about the craftsmanship that goes into making food. And so when we were living in Boston, I was back in school and, and Chelsea was teaching at a local community college there. And so we had the summer, I wouldn't say off, but I was able to get a grant for us to explore this interest some. And so we ended up doing a farmer's market, I guess, road road tour for, we packed our little um, CRV up in Boston and then drove, I think it was a little over 12,000 miles, like from Boston wow. to Seattle, down to San Diego. We even took a flight out to the Big Island. My one of my old army bosses was a the colonel out there. Hosted us, took us a bunch of farmers markets around there. Saw coffee beans, a lot of the fruits, and then we came back and kind of cut the hypotenuse across the country back to Boston. So it went over the whole summer, and we had just we stayed at we you know we didn't have much money, so we always stand. We we love national parks and state parks, but it's also great. We just camp out there when we could, mm-hmm. and then go to the farmers markets all throughout. I think we've been to over like a hundred plus farmers markets around the country wow. in the world, and so we just. We finished uh, up in Boston in, in um, 
I think 2018 and we moved back home and we weren't exactly sure what we wanted to do, but we know we want to be a part of the kind of farmer's market community space. And, and we had grown to love spicy foods when we were living in Boston and around, and especially when I was deployed, like so much times I would love having hot sauce and was never discriminatory about it. A Tapatio, um, okay. uh, Texas Pete, Valentina, any of the ones I was welcome to have. But at one time, I think someone had sent over a garlic derivative of, I believe, Texas Pete or Cholula. It always, uh, and I, I fell in love with it there. And Chelsea's an amazing, an amazing creative cook. And we love experimenting with different things in the kitchen. And so it was one of our dreams to make a, our first one was our garlic hot sauce. And so, we were here when we started making up. We, again, the classic story, we were crashing her parents' basement and just putting them through the ringer of blending peppers and stuff down in their basement of some the sense. And so um, we started joining our farmer's market community here and we work out of a commercial kitchen in East Nashville. We're still there um, with actually with Jeremy and his brothers. They work out of there as well, Assistance Kitchen. And um, and now yeah, we, we were able to do our dream. We, we were at all the, we were, we think at one point in the pandemic, we were at nine different, eight different farmer's markets throughout the week. Like okay. we'd split up on Saturdays, split up on Tuesdays. And you that's kind of how we fell in love with the making it. That's interesting. You know, there really seems to be a growing hot sauce scene here in Nashville. Our local markets are full of Nashville hops, hot sauce options. How did that happen, Clay? Well, that's a great question. How did all of them end up there? I don't know. I think in general, you know, Nashville over 20 years since I, since I moved there, uh, growth in general, it's come from everywhere. Uh, I moved there from Memphis and someone told me a joke right before I moved there. They said, one of the things you learn in Memphis when you meet a new person is they say, where'd you go to high school? One of the things you learn in Nashville when you meet a new person is they say, where'd you move here from? Hmm. It couldn't have been more true. And it certainly grew more and more true, um, over the last 20 years or so. So I think you get people moving to a town like Nashville and with so many different cultures, people from coming, coming from different parts of the country, uh, you get that thing where everybody kind of starts their own restaurant. You get different stuff on the corner that you may not have had, had a group of people not moved there from some other part of the country or the world. Now, now hot, chick people hot chicken is, it's like really, it's the city's claim to fame and, you know, local eaters are known to like some spice. Do you think that that being so accustomed to having kick. Do you think that helped the interests in hot sauces grow here? Oh, totally. That's, that's what, what I was just about to get to is that not only did you have all those people moving here, but at the same time you had this burst of Nashville hot chicken kind of, uh, again, I grew up in Memphis. Barbecue is, is, is a claim to fame there and there's a pride behind it. Nashville has hot chicken in the way that Memphis has barbecue. So being able to have kind of a unique food, a unique flavor and a spice that, you know, gives it uh, some excitement, which is also something that Nashville was really striving for with the growth of downtown and the entertainment and everything else that we've all seen happen. Um, having that spice was something the city was kind of proud of. So there was something there for hot sauce just to 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 fester in and grow, whether whether any of the guys here on this conversation got involved in it or not. I think it was uh, it was kind of inevitable, uh, and we all probably had some similar entrepreneurial vision uh, and or some love and passion for sauce, and just kind of found it um, as a good place to get uh, our feet wet. Now, Jeremy, do you think hot sauce is having a moment here? I think it's on the rise. Uh, I have a lot of high hopes for the community. It's it's. I think this actually the fact that we were asked to do this today is pretty serendipitous. Uh, hmm. I went out to eat with uh, Chris and Chelsea on Tuesday, specifically <laughs> to talk about how can we grow the community? You know, I've found the most success I've had in the music world is not 
being competitive, but building a community. So if, if we're all kind of pulling each other up, uh, some, some beautiful things can happen and, and everyone thrives. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm pleased with where, th- where things are now, but I would love to see things like um, a hot sauce festival instead of a hot chicken festival and some things maybe we can start to help grow the community. A hot sauce festival along with a oh. hot chicken festival. We can't get rid of hot chicken out oh, here. Oh, no, no, no. That would be the end of days. Th- that would <laughs> definitely stick around, but as well as. Yes, yes. Yeah. There we go. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake-Alona. We're talking this hour about the growing local hot sauce trend with local makers, Clay Maddox, Jeremy Lister, and Chris Chang. Tweet us your favorite hot sauces at This Is Nashville. Now, you know, it can't be a simple process to make Hot sauce. I wonder how many variations you all had to come up with before you knew you had something good. Clay, you talked about starting off from 12, moving down to 7, and then getting to 4. Give me some of the details about what that research and development process was like for you. Well, most of it was being fortunate to have somebody who had uh, some history and some experience in in tasting and trying them out on their own. And uh, then just doing a taste test with, (coughs) excuse me, uh, probably... I don't know, 10 or 12 people came over one night. We grilled some chicken out and, and we just kind of threw them all on there and uh, everybody gave opinions. And that's how we narrowed it down to the initial seven. Uh, I run with four under the Nashville Heat brand. I actually have a charity wing that is uh, through a, a company called Guitars for Vets. And what that charity does is it raises money to uh, purchase guitars and guitar lessons for uh, veterans who are coming home from war so they can take that daily regimen programming that's gone towards being soldiers and turn that into something creative and artistic. And it kind of helps put the tools into their hands. I was a huge fan of that when I heard that charity existed. So we put together a flavor and a specific brand for them. That's called snake eater. Uh, that was one of the brand, one of the flavors we had already thought about using. So having that available, uh, made it easy to kind of co-brand that. And then I had a couple of other flavors that were those types of things that we liked them, but it was the stuff that it was so hot that, my fear was people would buy one bottle and never buy another one because it would be more of a challenge thing than it would be uh, something people wanted to put on all of their food items. Mm-hmm. Um, turned out I was wrong. Uh, we've used a couple of those flavors. We've co-branded with a uh, band based out of Chicago. They're a jam band called Umphreys McGee. Uh, they use four of our flavors um, for their personal uh, merch brand of Umphreys McGee hot sauces as well. So I've been able to use all seven of those um, through some kind of different avenues. Uh, and I still have the other five kind of on the back burner. If, uh, something comes up and we want to do a special, special brand or something like that. But the four I chose to go with, they're all kind of unique. Um, they have a, a very specific difference about them that makes them stand out from the other three. Um, uh, and that was, you know, kind of why I settled on the, on four, as well as why I settled on the different ones that I did for, Uh, kind of mass production and the idea of getting them on the shelves. Okay, if you need taste testers for those other (laughs) ones that you haven't released yet, you know who to hit up. Now, Jeremy, you grow some of your own peppers, right? We do, yeah. Um, uh, We've, you know, grown quite a bit in the last four or five years, so we we get a lot of ours from local farms and uh, either uh, in local markets here in town, but the specialty peppers, like, we grow quite a bit of our own Carolina uh, Reaper. What are some of the other varieties you're using? So uh, we use poblano, Anaheim, jalapeno, habanero, and Carolina Reaper. What? How do you determine which peppers to use? I think it's sort of a, a trial and error sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, we, uh, my older brother Richie, 
really kind of stumbled upon the first two recipes. We didn't change them very much. Um, maybe just like the the level of spookiness and, and maybe the portions just a, a hair, but um, he just sort of magically <laughs> stumbled upon our original hot sauce in our jalapeno business. And, um, and one's a milder profile, which is going to be a poblano, which is a really tasty pepper in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, and I think that one, because uh, all those peppers are unripened, they have more of a, a zesty, savory thing. But then you get to the original, and we wanted something that had a little bit of fruitiness, but also a nice little spite, spice level. And the habanero is actually kind of a sweet mm-hmm. pepper, but the, with, the, with a nice kick on the back end. Okay. Now, Chris, are there other foods besides peppers that can add spice to a sauce? Ooh, we're always experimenting. I think, one, we have... Um, my father's from Hong Kong, and um, we were wanting to do something fun that we could use with our different foods that we eat at home. And so we have a ginger flavor sauce that we make. Um, that's mm. um, We have carrots, yellow bell peppers, habaneros. Again, like Jeremy said, the habaneros have such a delicious, sweet, spicy taste to them. And then we use a healthy dose of ginger, which I think on its own, it's like not going to burn your mouth off, but it adds, it kind of very much accentuates to it. And so I love using that one, just dipping like spring rolls and egg rolls in that. We have a lot of customers will uh, put in, in their stir fry when they're cooking. And then even uh, my, my wife will mix it with like honey and soy sauce and make like an Asian ginger glaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, our, our newest flavor, kind of our experimental seasonal we did in the past couple summers was like we have a one called Hot Tropic and it's pineapple mango habanero. And then my favorite part, slow roasted banana peppers. And it was something interesting. It ended up being, it wasn't meant to be, it ended up being, I think, our spiciest sauce that we make, even though it's got similar amounts of capsaicin from the peppers, something about the acidity mixing with the sweetness, like the, it comes off on your tongue. It's great on fish tacos. It definitely is right on that perimeter for me of just like, ooh, ooh, ah. So it's, um, so different the way we're starting to learn and, and see how different foods combine with the capsaicin, the spices, how it really can hit your tongue and, uh, I think one thing for us, like not coming from the food world and just being, again, very like bootstrapped, we had just gotten a ton of books from the National Public Library on peppers, <laughs> pickling, food. And so I think going back to the design or the trial and error process that Jeremy was talking about, I mean, I think our first one was like 52B version and we each version like 17C, terrible, 23A, decent. And then my mother-in-law is one of the most... Um, picky or how should I say discerning individuals I know. And one night we tried it for dinner and she was like, oh, this is perfect. And I was like, I've never heard you say that before about anything. So you knew go to market immediately. That was it. That was the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now Clay, you're keeping your brand relatively local. Tell me, why is that important to you? Um, Part of it is I'm, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I am unable to uh, achieve success. Uh, there's a certain point of production ability um, and commitment to the people who've helped me get to where I am, uh, as well as my ability to just maintain and manage a, a healthy inventory. Uh, my fear is if I end up uh, expanding too much further than just the Nashville market, that A, I lose the kind of local punch that is the whole reason that I did it. Um, and B, you know, I don't want to find myself spread so thin that I'm unable to achieve, to fulfill orders. Uh, and then, I, then it turns into failure. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to do some expansion. I've got a, uh, a couple of things, uh, quite literally in the works this month that will, uh, hopefully provide me, you know, some good anchors and the ability to kind of spread a little bit more in Tennessee. Um, uh, but ideally 
you know, there's a lot of hot sauces in Kroger and Publix and, and there's a lot of people out there who like hot sauce and there's a lot of really good hot sauces. But what my whole goal was, and again, the thing that rang my bell was everything about when I started the, the, the company was this restaurant sold everything local and had a non-local hot sauce. And I just want, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, uh, there was a, a bunch of marketing for New York where people had t-shirts or bumper stickers that all had I heart NY and it made New York kind of seem bigger than real. Nashville kind of took that spot um, in the country's view over the last 20 years. So my whole thing was I want to be Nashville and I want to be part of the Nashville local scene. Mm. Um, I don't want to be the big, you know, the big guy on the front row in, in Kroger that, that's all over the, you know, the state selling the Nashville flavor. I don't think that that's what I am. I'm a small business in Nashville that sells uh, curated and handcrafted hot sauces. All right. That is support the music scene as much as possible as well. That is Clay Maddox, owner of Nashville Heat Sauces. He was joined by Chris Chang, co-owner of Hot Sauce Nashville. I want to thank you both for being here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Jeremy Lister will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll talk about heat levels and how to achieve that spice. Plus, we'll do a taste test, and I'm getting a little nervous, y'all. Do you have a funny story about local hot sauce that took you down? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. You know, hot sauce is really having a moment here in Nashville. We've been talking this hour with local makers about how they got their start and what's behind this growing trend. Now, you can't talk about hot sauce without talking about spice, something my next guest knows a lot about. Narup Prabhapar. I'm part of me. Narup Prabhakar is the owner of 615 Chutney and Kaluriville in Mesa Kamal. Narup, it's good to have you back to the show. Great to have you back. Have you? I mean, great to come in. That's Thank right. You. That's right. It's good. It's Friday, y'all. It's good to have everybody here. Now, you don't make hot sauce, but you, spice is a large part of your cuisine. Tell me, how does spice show up in your food? Yes, spice is actually part of the Indian cuisine. Uh, the British came to India uh, for the spices, so India was a major spice route um, uh, back in the day. So we have the source of black pepper and red th- red chilies, and uh, we also have the Thai chilies there. Mm-hmm. So we use a lot of all these uh, in our cuisine, maximum. So you offer five levels of heat yes. for any dish offered at your mm-hmm. restaurant. Just like how the British called it the spice route, I also call my spice levels spice routes. So each one is based on the routes that run through Nashville. Okay. 24, 40, 65, 440, and 840. <laughs> These are mild, medium, spicy, native, and I want to get chutneyfied. I want to get chutneyfied. Is yes. the highest level? Yes. All right. Um, I'm I'm a little nervous, y'all, but it's going to be fine. So, you know, do customers ever regret their order when they come in? Um, in the beginning, it used to be like that. Uh, everybody was uh, always thinking that Indian food is spicy. Mm-hmm. But I have made it a point that I tell them that Indian food being spicy is a myth. 
and I try to uh, make them understand and feel comfortable about the spice levels that we have. Uh, so I always say it's always better to have a little spice when you eat food. So even a mild food will have a little bit of spice. So in the beginning, they are a little apprehensive about tasting the food. But once they are, the mind is opened up and say, okay, when you tell them that the, the, the food is going to have a little bit of spice, they kind of dig in and then they enjoy the spice. What spice level do you like? I like medium. Medium. Mm -hmm. That's the way to go. Okay, so what are some of the key components to a spicy dish for Southern Indian cuisine? Uh, Southern Indian cuisine is by default dairy and gluten-free. So the, the, the heavy cream aspect is not part of the South Indian cuisine at all. So heavy cream is what cuts the spice uh, off of uh, any dish. Mm -hmm. So we do not add that in our food. So we add direct spice. So that's the reason why there's always spice in the food. So the main ingredients for spice in South Indian food is Thai chilies, uh, dry red chilies, red chili powder, and a little bit of ground black pepper. All right. I want to bring in my next guest. Chelsea Chang is the other owner of Hot Sauce in Nashville, picking up where Chris left off. Chelsea, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Now, I understand you're the flavor expert at Hot Sauce Nashville. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that, but I definitely enjoy cooking, and it's something... Um, that has become really something important to me is cooking and mixing flavors. And so a lot of times, Chris, as you met, he's definitely our people guy. He just can create such great relationships with people. And I think sometimes I can explain the flavors and I have that relationship with our uh, with our sauces like that. So well, what type of flavors are you looking for when you're developing new sauces? Gosh, great question. Um, you know, our original flavors are garlic, and pretty much a lot of our inspiration for this whole thing came from we're huge garlic users. I pretty much anytime I cook, at least go through a clove of garlic, if not more. Mm -hmm. So for that one, we really wanted garlic to come through. Um, so usually it's trying to blend out that where you really get the spices, you really get some other flavors in there besides just heat, but then you also get that heat that gives you just really nice tingling sensation in the, in the back of your tongue when you're kind of finishing out the hot sauce on your dish. Now, your husband, Chris, talked about how your travels have inspired this hot sauce mission of yours. Are there ingredients that you've discovered from different areas that you incorporate into your sauces? Absolutely. Um, for example, our green sauce, that was actually almost totally derived from the time when we lived in Colorado. Colorado and New Mexico rely a lot on their hot sauces on using hatch green chilies or other oh, types of green peppers. Oh, yeah. I lived in New Mexico. Oh, I know about the green chilies. That's that's a whole like entire thing is that hatch green chili. Um, mm -hmm. And we can't really, we actually did get our hands on some last year and did a derivative, which was awesome and really fun for people who knew hatch chilies. Um, but yeah, our whole green sauce was um, brought about because of that love for green peppers that we discovered out there. So we use only green peppers in that. We use serranos, jalapenos, and then bell peppers that it gives you that nice, tangy, zesty kick that a lot of those sauces out there would give you. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake Alona. We're talking this hour about Nashville's growing local hot sauce trend. All right, so I see you all have brought some of your sauces and food for us to try. I'm excited, but also a little bit worried. Our executive producer has offered to tap in if I have to break, and I may call her up on that, but, uh, you know, I'm game, everybody. So we're going to use, we are using a choice of potato chips, corn tortilla chips, and saltless saltine crackers for this tasting. We have milk and water available as well. So let's start with Chelsea. What do we have here? So we have 
each of our three flavors, if okay. you are interested in running through them, yes. what I would probably start you on is the green I was just talking about. Okay. So that's our great kind of medium flavor. Um, right. It's a great intro for people who don't know if they like spice, but then we also have people who love spice who really enjoy it too. It's got a tangy, zesty kick, great on fish tacos, really great on eggs. Um, a lot of people use it in their breakfast in the morning. It's also great in like a white chili. So okay. let us know what you think. I am giving this a shot. The crazy thing is it's forcing me to eat just one potato chip. <laughs> Didn't know that was possible. Here we go. I'm trying the green. Mmm. Mmm. So it's got a tangy, a lot of times people ask if there's lime in there. It kind of mm -hmm. gets the citrusy kick that those serranos mixed with the vinegar really kind of bring forward. This is delicious. It definitely reminds me of New Mexico. Perfect on breakfast burritos. Yes, thank you. Absolutely wonderful. Okay. All right, Jeremy, we're moving. Well, since you're on the green, we'll give you our, uh, our green as well. This is the Jalapeno Business, and this is made with poblano... Uh, Anaheim and Jalapeno. You're giving me the Jalapeno business. Jalapeno business. <laughs> I'm a little scared. The, oh, it's not bad. So the name Blister, our last name is Lister, and mm -hmm. we're brothers, so Blister, we had to use that. You know, it was it was a gimme. Uh, but this is like a 2 out of 10. Like, kids love this is hot sauce. 2 out of 10? Yeah, it's not very oh, spicy. Oh, come on, you guys are underestimating me. Oh, trust me, me I'm, I'm, we're going to bring the pain a little later. Mm. But it's nice and smoky, you know, and that's our, kind of our, our profile. Very smoky. It's delicious. Oh, ma'am. All right, cool. Narup, what do we have? This is great. I brought chicken chetanad, which is the very basic uh, when you get inside South Indian cuisine. I've got the five different levels. Which level would you want to try? You want to get chutnified today? You know what? Chutnify me, man. All right, let's go. It's called the 840 level. It's got excessive green chilies, red chili peppers, and, and a lot of black pepper with okay. curry leaves in it. Okay, here I go. So this is straight to the hot, huh? Woo! He's getting chutnified today. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, y'all. Um, <laughs> if you don't hear from me in 30 seconds, somebody call the police. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> okay, immediately. It's, first of all, it's, this is delicious. And I can feel it. Mmm. Okay, yeah. Got, got a little sweat coming out there? It comes down. Right. Um, it hits you as you swallow it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so tell me, what makes what makes this so hot? Um, mm. Well, basically, it's green chilies or Thai chilies, that, as we call it. And uh, that's what... I mean, um, starts off with the spice level, but then this is a, this is an, a spice level which was introduced only because I was in East Nashville. Native is the maximum that anybody is supposed to eat, but East Nashville, my patrons there always uh, complain that native is not spicy enough. Okay. So I had to invent this level. So this one has a little extra uh, chili flakes. Uh, a lot of green uh, green chilies again, um, more red chili powder. I love it, and I'm going to get a shirt, a T-shirt that says I've been chutnified. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're doing that. Um, Chelsea, round two. All right, round two, I'm going to send you with our original. So that's our garlic, hot garlic sauce. It is going to step up a bit on heat, but you're still getting a lot of flavor. Okay. So you got some habaneros in there, mm. and then we slow roast some red jalapenos with it, um, along with some bell peppers. So that kind of slow roasting, habaneros, as you all talked about earlier, are 
are a very hot pepper, but they also have a really nice fruitiness to it. Mm -hmm. And so that'll come through um, also with that, obviously, garlic in there. Um, you'll get that nice kind of savory flavor. Okay. So good. Hey, do you guys want to try some of these? Oh, yes. I've had uh, the, all of these, but I'll, I'm glad to have some. Pass me some mm -hmm. of those lays. Potatoes. Ooh. <sighs> Isn't that good? Ooh. This is delicious. Oh, good. Oh, I can. Okay. Breakfast. Eggs. Absolutely. All day long. Yeah. Chicken. Mm -hmm. um, you can use it in chili or even like sometimes I'll want to spice up my spaghetti. Just throw a little bit in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Okay. Jeremy. Also, round two. Our original. This is going to be uh, ripened, ripened jalapeno, ripened uh, Anaheim, and ripened habanero. Uh, this is like a five out of ten. Five or six out of ten. Five out of ten. Okay, hold on. Um, let, let me cleanse my palate. Also nice and smoky, but has a little sweetness and, and the fruitiness of, of the habanero pepper. Now, is it important to shake your... Ours especially. It's a thicker... Uh, I think uh, not quite as thick as, as y'all's, but uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's mo it's thicker than most hot sauces. So yeah. I shake mine up and... Once you get to the middle of the bottle, the dropper works out well, but mm -hmm. at the beginning, I take the little dripper out. Now, how should they be stored? I've seen people with hot sauces in the refrigerator, which I feel like is weird, but there's people who keep it room temperature. How, how do you suggest they're stored? So with our hot sauce, I, it's kind of a natural preservative. It's going to have a very long shelf life, so you can, mm -hmm. you can uh, easily keep it outside of the fridge. But if you do decide to put it in the fridge, it like triples or quadruples that. So if you don't eat hot sauce very much... Maybe put it in the fridge and it could last years, you know, but ours just even at room temperature would last a couple of years. Okay, think, so. This is absolutely delicious, Jeremy. Thank you. And I don't know if it's that hot sauce in particular or what's it called again? That's just the Blister Original. The Blister Original. I don't know if it's the Blister Original or the Collective Hot Sauces, but I've got <laughs> to take off my coat. <laughs> my jacket is coming off. Naroop, hit me round two. Uh, well, I'm going to reduce the spice level a little bit for okay. you this time. So okay. we're going to do a spicy one so you'll know the difference between 840 and 65. Okay. Oh, man. This is really great, everybody. This is why I love my job. This okay. is a good day. Mm-hmm. All right. This is 65. Mmm. Mmm. Okay, so this spice is really present. Yes. Like, as soon as I it came into my mouth, mm -hmm. I felt it. Yes. Oh, man, I said that on air. But, you know, it's absolutely, it's absolutely delicious. Um, where, where, the, where the chutney fied, it took some time yes. for it to come in. It, it is a spice level that is built up. You need to build your palate to accept that spice level. Mm -hmm. So 65 is a safe Spice level where you can still have spicy and enjoy some flavors as well. So South Indian food actually hits your the back of your throat, you know, after you eat. That's when you feel the spices. Yes. So, but flavor is always there when you bite into the food. Man, okay, I want everybody else to get chutnified. And it's <laughs> vegan, right? Because you're vegan, Jeremy. This is chicken. This is chicken. Oh, mm -hmm. it's chicken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Chelsea can get chutnified. I'll Let's, give it a go. Oh, we're totally going to do this. All right. <laughs> and while you get chutnified, Chelsea, tell me about the third sauce we're about to try. All right. So this sauce um, is probably our most unique sauce. So I think Chris was talking about it a little bit earlier. It's our hot ginger sauce. Um, again, we love those habaneros. So you're going to find those in there. 
Okay. But on this one, we slow roast some carrots with it, which adds a little extra sweetness. And then we have some bell peppers in there as well. That ginger, garlic, and onion. So this one is by far, if I had to choose one I like to cook with the most, it's this one. It adds a really great uh, flavor if you're doing any type of, like I love mixing it into a lo mein sauce, putting it into my stir fries, um, love it on salmon. Mm. So those are um, just has a kind of different, unique flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really good. You know what I love about all your sauces is that they stay with you. <laughs> Everybody, it's aromatic, and it stays with me. I'm totally overloaded in hot sauce right now, but wow, that is absolutely wonderful. I can do. I can see like doing something like mixing that with a glaze of broccolini or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, with a yeah. nice like bitter vegetable. All right, Jeremy. All right, this is our Punisher. Okay. Um, I say this is like a an eight out of ten. Um, it depends on like, sometimes peppers the the spice level sort of each batch maybe a little bit spicier or less spicy than another. But this is you know the second hottest pepper in the world, which is made from uh, the Carolina Reaper, and we call this the Carolina Weeper. Oh, the bottle's fun. Uh, it's got a nice little. Uh, skull on it um but it's it's a uh, it's a pretty hot one it's uh but it's also delicious it's like for people that like hot sauce it's not all just spice it tastes really really good and i would think like the chutney fad it's like one of those creepy sauces that yeah. kind of keep building and building and you're like oh wow this is really delicious but makes you want to eat more but it's the more you eat the more spicy it gets. Yes. pass it to this it side yeah yes, you know I, it that. definitely sounds it. very intimidating but i've been chutney fied so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> let's do this here we go. Mm, love the smell. Oh, man. Wish me luck. Good luck. Thank you. This is a lot. Okay, this is wonderful, though. Here we go. Mm. It's a okay. slow burn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to have a little of this, too. Ooh. It, it, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm feeling that. Mm-mm. Man. Naroop, Chelsea, mm. what do you think? Oh, I love it. I love it, too. I love how it's encompassing yeah, the whole it's, mouth. It's in, it's, it's in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Really good, though. But you still get all that. I love, that's what I love about, like, your sauces and a lot of local sauces. They really focus on flavor, flavor, flavor. So you get that good heat, but then just got, you taste all those flavors, the nice smokiness. It's really nice. Mm. What would that go well with? You know, chili, uh, gumbo, a lot of stews and... Uh, some people just also, if they like, you know, spice, they'll put it on pizza and tacos. It, it's kind of like depending on the level you want to go with the medium or hot. They, the original and the Carolina Weeper have a similar profile, but one's just quite a bit spicier. Man, you guys rocked my world. I want to thank you so much. Thanks to all of our guests, Narut Prabhakar from 615 Chutney, Chelsea Chang with Hot House Hot Sauce Nashville, and Jeremy Lister with Blister Hot Sauce for being on the show and burning out my taste buds, <laughs> but it's so delicious. I love it. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Monday marks the day that activists carried out the first sit-ins in downtown Nashville back in 1960, protesting the segregation of our city's lunch counters and and other businesses. Tune in 
This Is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the sauce is really catching up to me. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. The masterminds behind our theme music are Lorange and Namir Blade. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and let us know what show you want from our show. Pardon me, by filling out our quick <laughs> survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Lake Alona. I will survive and we will see you on Monday, everybody. Be good to each other. <laughs> <laughs>